Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you all here. It's actually a little bit harder to see you because uh, you've got the shining lights. Isn't there some amazing things happening up on stage here? This is just a glimpse of what is to come tonight for our carol service. So I just want to give that another plug. Make sure you come along and don't let anyone miss out. If you're thinking of someone, I encourage you, invite them. Because otherwise, yeah, they might miss out on, on not only the, the time to celebrate um, together in a year that's been, but to celebrate the birth of our Saviour. And I think that's a pretty important thing to celebrate. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, for those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Adam, and I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor here at Hills Church. And it's my privilege to be able to, to bring you the message this morning. And um, if you haven't been here, we've actually been going through a series. Um, we've, over the past few months, Pastor Nathan has been taking us on a journey through the book of Hebrews, where he has captured quite well the essence of the author's message, which is the sufficiency of Jesus in our lives, and to encourage believers to hold on in faith to Jesus and to press on to maturity. There's a lot that we've learnt so far, a lot of things that we've been able to cover, and if you'd like to catch up or simply re-watch any of the sermons, you can head to our website, hillschurch.org.au, and there's all the sermons there. There's sermons from previous series as well, so if you'd like to check that out, go for it. And so, as we've been going through Hebrews, we came to chapter 11, where the author once again encourages us to hold on to faith in the promises of God. And this is what he says in chapter 11, verse 1 or 2. It says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And then the author goes on to list women and men who lived lives that demonstrated such faith, which then actually prompted us to create a mini-series. We got like a babushka doll of series. We got a series within a series. And so we're doing a series called Hebrews Heroes. And the, the I don't know, maybe the coincidence that it sounds like Hogan's Heroes is purely coincidental. So those of you, uh, only a few chuckles. I would have thought more people would have watched Hogan's Heroes. Get on it, young adults. It's a great series. Anyway, the series we're doing is Hebrews Heroes. Sorry, that will never be unheard and you will now hear that from now on. Why did I do that? Anyway, so we're doing Hebrews Heroes, and we're going to look at, we've been looking at um, these people who've been listed in Hebrews and their lives and the lessons that we learned from them. In week one, Pastor Nathan shared about Abraham. In week two, Pastor Beck spoke about Samuel. Last week, which was week three, Pastor Mark dived into the life of Jacob. And these are all great heroes of faith that we can look to for insight and inspiration and more importantly, they point to the one who is far greater than any of them, and that is Jesus. But before I introduce the Hebrews hero that I'm going to be talking about, which you would have seen on the screen anyway, but before I properly introduce him, I have a question that I want to start with, and maybe this comes from years of youth ministry, but it's going to get you to use your creative thinking a little bit. And here's the question I have for you, which will come up on the screen. If you were a superhero... What would your superpower be and why? When you come to a conclusion, make sure you turn to the person next to you and let them know what superpower you'd want and why. And for those of you joining us online, leave your answer in the comments. So off you go.
Oh, started quiet, but once you get going, it's a great topic. Okay, let's bring it back in. So I hope you've learnt, I hope you've learnt a little bit more about the person next to you's preference for superpower. And you know what, I'd actually love to hear some of your answers. So if you're brave enough to shout out your answer to the first bit, you know, what your superpower would be, please start shouting them out. And if it's the same as someone else, keep going, because I want to hear sort of the, the idea of like, what's some of our favourites? So what's some superpowers we got going on? Healing. Healing. Strong. Strong. Strength. Height. What? Oh, flight. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that one before. All right, any more? Or any, anyone who agrees with some of these already? What have we got? Invisible. Invisible. Psychic, there we go. All right. Oh, spidey senses. I forgot about spidey. Hypnosis. So there's a lot of different superpowers. And um, you know what? For me, the superpower that I would like is actually the power of flight, which Megan thinks is hilarious because I'm actually terrified of heights. <laughs> but as I remind her that if I had the power of flight, I wouldn't be terrified of heights because it's not actually heights, it's the falling. Anyway, I digress. The power of flight would be amazing, but a close second would be superhuman strength. In fact, I heard someone else say that one too. Superhuman strength, which is why I have always found the story of Samson, who I'm going to be talking about, to be one that is so interesting because he was given from God the gift of super strength. And he kind of reminds me of like a Marvel or a DC character that just, whoa, so strong. You know, he who is worthy to to pick up this jawbone can, can lead the Israelites. I don't know, there could be a series you could make out of that, similar to Thor, but I just loved it. But here's what Hebrews has to say about Samson. In verse 32 of chapter 11, it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. And this is interesting. Their weaknesses, oh, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. You see, I had decided I wanted to preach on Samson once before and, and chose not to. We were talking about heroes of the faith once before, and I went, oh, Samson would be cool. I've got long hair. That makes sense. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, man, his life really is not one that I want to emulate. He did a lot of immoral things. And then when I look at this passage and see why he was included into Hebrews in this list of heroes... The thing that stood out to me, and when I did some research, people agree, the section that talks about him is actually that bit where it says their weakness was turned to strength. You see, when we think of Samson, we don't think of a weak person. We think of someone who's strong and capable of, you know, um, slewing whole armies and all this sort of stuff. But here's the thing, while Samson had physical strength, which happened to be a gift of God, he lacked moral strength. You know, arrogance arose from his misplaced faith in the gift God gave him rather than having faith in the one who was the source of his strength. 
And I thought, you know what, that's something worthwhile looking into. And just so you know, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea of misplaced faith. Like we can have faith in good things, maybe even things that were gifts from God, but it's not the place where our ultimate faith should lie. Our faith should be in the source of that gift, in God. And so what I'm going to do, because there is a point when Samson's life changes, when his faith focus changes, and that's where I want to look at. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to need you to buckle up. Just grab that, clip yourself in. We're going to talk about the first part of Samson's life. I'm going to give you a quick overview of it. And this is how his life was. And you'll see that although he did great things, they really weren't done for the right reasons. And they kind of hurt a lot of people along the way. And I'll be honest, they remind me, sadly, of some Christian leaders. And not just Christian leaders, but it pains me when I see Christian leaders who, who are similar to this, where they, they're seen as strong leaders. They're, they're people who get the job done. They do amazing things and genuinely good things they do. But along the path, they leave you know, people hurt. There's a lot of people that, I'm not even going to name them, but there's, there's people that, that you may know of that have impacted your life. I know of one person who really impacted my life, Ravi Zacharias. He was an amazing man. And yet we heard of some things that weren't so good in his personal life. And it's sad. He still achieved some really good things and some genuine things. But I feel like his life was probably stunted because of his inward life. And I think the same has happened for, for Samson. But there's good news, all right? Stay with me. There's good news, okay? So here we go. Samson. He was chosen from birth, okay? God had a plan, a special, uh, had planned a special life for Samson. You know, God visited Samson's parents through an angel to tell them that Samson would be a Nazarite from birth. Now, the Nazarite vow, uh, sorry, the vow of the Nazarite was, it was typically for a set period of time and it was voluntary. And yet, in Samson's case, he was to be a Nazarite all his life and it was a calling God had put on him, not simply something that he had chosen to go into. So God was like, this is what I have for you. And this special vow put some restrictions on his life and, and on his mother's before he was born. Um, this included you know, certain foods that he wasn't to eat that Samson, in the end, ended up doing. And that was, he was not meant to cut his hair with a razor, and nor was he to be around dead bodies. In exchange... For these limitations, God endowed Samson with exceptional strength in order to fulfill the calling on his life. And the specific calling that God put on his life was actually to begin to rescue the Israelites from the Philistine oppression. All right? He was to begin the process. So when the story moves on, Samson met a woman from when he grew up. He met a woman from um, the Philistines. Uh, these were the enemies of the people of God. And Samson pretend, um, Samson's parents, they tried to convince him to choose an Israelite woman instead to be his wife. But he refused their guidance. And even though Samson's desires were carnal, they weren't good, God used this choice to accomplish his plan. You know, On Samson's way to visit the woman he had chosen to be his wife, he met a young lion along the way. He was able to kill the lion with his bare hands, which apparently was the first time God's strength um, came upon him. 
And the Bible says, you know, that he didn't even tell his parents about this. But this was the first time. When Samson returned home um, from visiting this woman who was to become his wife, a swarm of bees inhabited the dead body of the lion. And Samson took some honey from the lion's carcass in violation of his Nazarite vow. To, and, and so he took some of the honey. In fact, he gave it to his parents as well. This event of the death of the lion and subsequent inhabitation by the bees became a basis for a riddle that he told later on. So we move on to another part of his life. When he was preparing for the wedding feast, a group of Philistine men who apparently wanted to cause trouble came to Samson and Samson proposed a challenge to them. He gave them this riddle that they had to answer within the week of the festival. If they answered correctly, he would give sheets of clothing to them, all 30 of them, or they would have to do the same for him. So here was the riddle. Out of, sorry, let me read it word for word. Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. It even rhymes in English, which is pretty good. The Philistine men were not able to answer this riddle on their own, so they threatened the lives of Samson's wife and her family to get the... um, to discover what the answer was. And she pleaded with Samson to give her the answer, and she just kept pouting about it. And eventually, he said to her, you know, I haven't even told my family yet. Why would I tell you? But she finally got what the answer was. Because, you know, Samson, you know, he, he just, he's that kind of guy. He's like, you know what? I got this. Even if they find out, I'll make it happen. So the Philistine men came to Samson and they gave him the answer. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? To obtain these clothes, here here we go. Here's another thing. Samson, he's like, right, now I have to pay up. Well, what he ended up doing was he slew 30 men from Ashkelon. I can't really say that name well. But he ended up killing some other men in order to get these clothes and gave it to these men. Get the job done. But not in a really good way. So, he walked away from this absolutely furious and frustrated to the point where Samson's wife's um, father and mother thought he hated him. And so they gave his wife to his best man in marriage instead because he's like, well, Samson's not coming back. She needs a husband. And so they did that. And so Samson got furious He couldn't believe that this had happened. So what he did was he got 30 foxes and he tied them in pairs with a a torch in between them and he sent them through the fields of corn and destroyed all of it and also the vineyards. And these men were furious. The Philistines... um, Oh, sorry. I've lost my place for a moment. Where are we? Yes. Yes. The Philistines retaliated against Samson. That's what we're up to. So they retaliated against Samson by burning Samson's wife and her household. And Samson single-handedly went to war against the Philistines. We are not told how many people Samson slew in this first battle, but apparently it was an impressive number. He then retreated to the mountain. The men of the Philistines came to take Samson by force, but the men of Israel, they didn't want their country to, to, to be destroyed by this war because they knew that the Philistines were mightier than them. 
So therefore, 3,000 Israelites came to Samson and said, hey, mate, turn yourself in. This isn't worth it. And Samson thought, it's all right, I got this. I have super strength. You know what, you bind me up. You, as long as you won't kill me, you can hand me over. And when he arrived at the camp of the Philistines, Samson broke the ropes again and fought these men. This time, he battled with a donkey's jawbone and he killed 1,000 Philistines before the fight was over. This single manned war against the Philistines started a 20-year reign for Samson over the Philistines. You know, Samson, he did not always obey God or his plans, yet God used Samson to lead and protect Israel. And therefore, he's added to the judges of Israel. So 20 years, he was able to, to look over them. At one point, Samson was surrounded by the Philistines in Gaza to capture him. And he rose in the middle of the night and he tore the gates off of their hinges and he took it up to a nearby hill. His great strength was shown again. Now, Samson had a woman problem, right? I mean, problem with women, that's it, I'd say. Thank you. I'm like, a woman problem? That's not the way I hear it. He had a problem with women, as in he would, he just, he loved them too much, right? He loved them too much. And so the reason he was in Gaza previously was because he was with a prostitute. And later, he fell in love with this, this woman. Her name was Delilah, who was not his wife, right? And Delilah was a Philistine as well. The leaders of the land each promised to pay her 1,100 pieces of silver if she could discover what his strength was. And I'm not going to go into the full details of the backwards and forth, but you know, Samson kept saying different things about where his strength came from, right? But eventually Delilah got it out of him. And Samson once again says, it's from my hair. You know, his, his whole identity of his strength, he's saying, is in his hair. And so they end up shaving his head, Samson lulls him to sleep. She shaves his head, ties him up, and he's captured. And so he was taken and put to the grind wheel by the Philistines. He was publicly humiliated and his eyes were gouged out. And this is where we see our hero, right? Samson, for his whole life, has given his strength to his own endeavours, and he's had his eyes set on things of this world. In essence, a slave to, to sinful desire. And so the man who was already been shown to be spiritually weak has now become physically weak. He no longer has this strength. And Samson, who was shown to be spiritually blind, you know, he wasn't looking to God. He was spiritually blind. He's now physically blind. He's had his eyes gouged out. And Samson, who was shown to be spiritual slave to the things of this world, now has become a slave in flesh. And so what changed in order for Samson to be counted as Hebrews heroes? What has changed? Well, let us read in Judges chapter 16, verses 28 to 30. We see a prayer that Samson prayed and the result of it. And it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, Remember me. Remember me again. 
Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the, the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he, he killed more people when he died than during his entire life. Now, I failed to mention when he was taken away, there was a big party happening in the, in the pagan temple. And he was led there to be mocked and ridiculed. And he asked the boy who led him there to, to put him against these pillars. And in this moment, his focus changed, right? In this prayer, Samson shifts his faith in his own ability to having faith in what God can do. So in this prayer, he, he has two things that happen. The first thing we find from verse 28, it says, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. And what happened is, Samson was basically submitting to God's lordship. He was recognizing that God was actually the one who he was to follow and the one who could govern his life. And so what happened was Samson became spiritually free when he submitted to God as Lord. You know, he was no longer a slave to sin. He, didn't, he wasn't compelled to have to, to run towards these desires and these sinful things in order to fulfill himself. He was like, God, you are sovereign. You are Lord. I will follow you. And he found spiritual freedom. The second thing he prays just after that is, Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. Samson is no longer... You remember, this is the first time where he says, God, you strengthen me. Every other time it's been, my hair gives me strength if I don't cut it. God said, don't cut it, and my hair gives me strength. This is like, God, you are the source of my strength. So the second thing we see is that Samson became spiritually strong when he remembered God was his source of strength. He also happened to receive physical strength in that moment too. You see, God didn't need... Samson to have his hair uncut in order to give him super strength. God proves this point when he strengthens Samson once again to bring down the pagan temple with his bare hands. Samson's requirement to have uncut hair was simply a symbol of the covenant made between him and God. The covenant God was asking Samson to enter into was to have faith in God and in return, God would be faithful in strengthening Samson for the task God was calling him to. And that task was to begin the rescue of the, Philistine, uh, of the Israelites from Philistine oppression. Remember, we mentioned that all the way back there. To show that Samson, was, um, to show that Samson had faith that God would do what he had promised, he was to, in faith, never, never shave his hair. So you see the difference there. It's not that the hair was giving him strength, it's just... In faith, I will not cut my hair because I know that God will give me strength. He will strengthen me to do what he's called me to. So, in that prayer, Samson became spiritually free when he submitted to God's lordship. Samson became spiritually strong when he remembered God was the source of his strength. And as a result, the third thing we see is that he achieved far greater things because he focused his eyes slash faith on God. He achieved far more. Remember in the verse it said, so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire life. Yay. 
Remember the calling. The calling was to set God's people free, right? And he achieved far more when he had shifted his faith focus. Imagine what he could have achieved if he had figured this out earlier on in life. Here's the encouraging part, though. Even someone who has walked this path of self-fulfillment, of self-reliance, and, and, and doing some terrible things, God offered him a chance. God offers us a chance to respond to him in faith. So let me restate these three things, and I want to put them into our context. So number one, you know, this... Number one, if we want to shift our faith from ourselves and our own strength and onto God and cling to Him, here's what happens. Number one, when we submit to God's Lordship, we find freedom. We find freedom. We are no longer slaves to the things of this earth. You know, if you find yourself constantly looking to others for fulfillment, constantly looking elsewhere, you know, to to what other people have, you can just stop it when you, when you put your faith in God. When we submit to his lordship, this is no longer something that binds us. We have freedom in God. The second thing that we need to do if we want to shift our faith from ourself to faith in God, this is what happens. When we look to God for strength, we have all that we need. We have all that we need. Too often, I find myself striving in my own strength. Too often. You know, it's easy for me to assume that I'm walking with God because I work for a church, I study at a Christian university. And so when I am at work and doing things, it's like, I'm doing for God, right? I'm working hard for Him. I must be close to Him. But here's the thing, Samson was doing the things that God had called him to, not all of them, but was doing the work of freeing them. But he was far from God, what God wanted him to do. And so I find myself doing similar things. I'm just working hard, striving in my own strength, going, man, I just need to get this done. I just need to get this done. And then all of a sudden I realize, hang on a second, I'm not meant to do this in my own strength. If I look to God and seek after his strength, man, I have all that I need. My strength doesn't come from my knowledge. My strength doesn't come from years of doing youth service. My strength doesn't come from you know, growing up in a Christian family or, or um, having great leaders around me. My strength doesn't come from going to conferences that talk about leadership and all these sorts of things. None of that is where my strength comes from. My strength comes from God and he gives me all that I need. And he gives you all that you need as well. Here's what happens when we shift our faith onto God. The final point is that we live a life with a purpose and meaning. How many people do you talk to who are like, I'm just, you know, I'm looking for my meaning in life, or or want to live a life that has substance to it? You know, how many people have we seen who who have, you know, they, they give to a building or something so that their name will be on it, which is not a bad thing, but like so that they have a legacy. It's like, oh, this, is, this, this gives my life meaning. Or 
I don't know, they're just looking to do something that, has, that makes a difference. And if you want to live a life with purpose and meaning, then recognize God as, as, as Lord and seek Him for your strength. And as a byproduct, we live a life of purpose and meaning. We don't have to focus on like, man, I need to make sure my life has meaning. I need to make sure my life has purpose. No, follow God and your life will have purpose and meaning. So I want to encourage you, church. Maybe today, maybe today is time for you to recognize a few things. Maybe it's time for you to look at your life and go, okay, who is Lord of my life? Who is directing where I go, directing my response. Is it me? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God working in me? And I want to encourage you. Shift your faith. Don't have misplaced faith. Put your faith in God because there is freedom to be had. Maybe for you, you need to look at whether you're striving in your own strength to make things happen. You know, maybe you know, you're, you're, you're genuinely wanting to look after your family, so you're working hard, working hard to provide. That's a good thing. But are you doing it in your strength? Or are you seeking after God because he will give you all that you need? You know, there's many examples I could say, but you know your context. Think about it because you will have all you need. And we can live a life of meaning. So church, I want to pray for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I just thank you that when we look at Samson, even though we see someone who really had a lot of problems and really struggled to figure out what it means to follow you, messed up so badly that God, you still give us every opportunity to respond in faith to you. And God, I'm praying that this morning as, as people, as, as your people are here, God, I pray that you would start to, to move us and shake us. God, that we would not be able to sit still. And Lord, that we would trust you as our Lord. Because Lord, you have proven yourself to be trustworthy time and time again. God, we, may we find freedom in your leadership. God, I also just want to pray that like, for those that just feel like they're working so hard and that they have no other choice, God, I pray that you would just invade their life, Lord, and that they would find the strength they need to live a life that is worthy of your calling. Lord, I pray that we would just stop striving to I don't know, to please people, to gain what we think we need. or Lord, I just pray that we would just feel a peace and a calm, knowing that, that you're the only one that really matters for us to care what you have to say. And, and you say that we are loved and that we are worthy to be sons and daughters of the Most High. And so, God, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen.